Good evening, citizens. My name is Van Shatterson, captain of the Bloody Hand Mercenary Company. And as we walk our own paths that again will lead us to Anvil in the weeks to come, the winds of war are blowing afresh across the Empire. Many tales I have heard in my own personal travels. And should you have not heard them, I will recount them here. Now, there is more than just one tale to tell, and not enough ale in my flagon, or enough hours in the night to recount them all in one go. So, we shall begin in the east, in Zenith, with the Carnival of Rust. Down again through the passes of Salvin Cayley. Down again past the mute stone gaze of the three watchers. Down again into the accursed battlefield of Zenith. Down go the citadel guard and the walls of war and the iron helms as they did last season. This season the Tower Jacks and the Northern Eagle do not go with them. They have withdrawn to Casimir to recover from the cruel wounds suffered at the hands of the Orcs. In their place come the three armies of Highguard, back to Zenith again, back to make war against the Druze again, back to the place where so many of their comrades fell defending the people of Urizen again. Six armies, but almost at the last moment, almost at the moment when the horns are sounded to mark the advance, a seventh army arrives. Moving with preternatural surety, the Dornish arrive. The eastern sky, fresh from rooting out the Druze in the marshes of Holberg, bound and boosted by a most potent enchantment of autumn magic. They have marched all the way through Semahome, Astolat, Cassinia, Bastion and Morrow to join the liberation of Zenith. The best path indeed. A ragged cheer goes up as they arrive, showing barely any sign of tiredness. The eastern sky are not the only army showing the marks of powerful imperial enchantment. Both the Granite Pillar and the Seventh Wave fight with absolute clarity, each strategic and each tactical decision resonant with the masterful focus of the day magic that infuses every soldier in each army. The walls of war are supported by nearly 10,000 warbands, or at least warband members, from across the Empire, bound as always into the most efficient fighting force possible by the continuing power of their common cause. This season, they have recruited several entire free companies from Holberg and Temeshwar, whose heavy armour and black-humoured determination lead the League soldiers and their allies in a grinding advance. Beside the Citadel Guard and the Iron Helms march allies of a less wholesome nature. Cold, dead flesh has been quickened. 
2,000 corpses, uninspired by the gaze of the three watchers, unmoved by the crushing druze miasma. There is a restlessness about them. The winter spirits that inhabit the corpses of dead imperial soldiers and dead druze warriors know that their bondage is coming to an end. Soon, they will be free. 2,000 freed spirits under the dark clouds of Zenith. The heavens open as the Empire's fine soldiers flow down through the pass into Zenith. The rain is unseasonably warm, the thick droplets bursting with a kind of corrupt vitality. The springs and streams that pour down the mountainsides are slick with unwholesome fecundity. The whole territory is infused with the unwholesome health brought by rivers of life. The wicked miasma still holds this land in its crushing grip, but breeding fear and despair in any who might think to oppose the druge. It is harsh enough for those forced to bow their heads to their orc masters, but how much worse must it be for those who actively work against them, who intend to drive them back into the Saren Grave? The first few tentative engagements with the enemy end in a conclusive victory for the Empire. They reclaim the base camps abandoned last season and begin to spread south, east and west in earnest. Almost immediately it becomes clear that the Druze are prepared to defend their territory. They must have been expecting the Empire to come again after last season. The Orc forces are hunkered down exploiting their defensive positions. No suggestion of clever traps this time, instead they focus on keeping the Imperial forces pinned up the foothills of Northern Pepeon, punishing them whenever they attempt to press south. The Druze strategy is clearly being set by the Orcs under the Ant Banner of the White Lion. Their warriors appear to be everywhere. They anticipate the Empire's advance and move to stifle it. The Hidden Snake employs hit-and-run tactics, using hidden paths through the hills to strike without warning, sabotaging supply trains, blocking mountain paths and collapsing bridges before melting away when Imperial troops try to engage them. When the Druze lose an engagement, they quickly fall back, regroup, resupply and then return to attack again. Scouts report several well-defended camps well behind the Druze lines, marked by banners bearing a crimson lizard, where physics and Tapel exploit the spring magic that runs wild in the territory to heal injured warriors and drive them back to the fray again. Scouts also report something potentially more worrying. The orcs of the tainted basilisk seem barely engaged in the defence of Zenith. Their Vicard provide a little support, especially when the other armies are facing the Citadel Guard, but for the most part they seem preoccupied. A small contingent of the seventh wave, unconquered, work with sentinels of the Citadel Guard to try and find out what they are up to. They never quite get to the bottom of it, 
but they are able to discover that the Druge magicians are focused on gathering magical resources, especially those in regions already bound by a protective night and spring magic. Primarily harvesting mana sites, gathering ambergels and beggars lie, and even securing small amounts of ilium. Why are they consolidating their arcane power in this way? Well, that remains to be seen. The spring magic in the territory preserves life on both sides, but there are worse fates than death. Where possible, the Druze seek to capture Imperial soldiers alive rather than just kill them. Those who fall into their hands are mercilessly and cruelly tormented, as the Orcs yet again employ their wicked tactic of trying to lure the soldiers' friends into unwise rescue attempts. Yet, even the healing power of Rivers of Life cannot prevent those with no other recourse from embracing the oblivion offered by Kayla's gift, and the Druze frustration that they are repeatedly denied their sport is palpable. Kayla's gift is something that any soldier of the Empire can embrace, if or indeed when captured by the Druze. They must simply embrace it, their body will be turned into ash in a few moments. It's quick, painless, and certainly a preferable alternative to Druze captivity. While most of the fighting takes place in Clipion, the centre of Druze power is in the east, in the magically defended regions of Proceris and Lustri. The marshes of central Zenith swallow the fig, the far-ranging scouts that press that far, and there is only a few of them. There is also scattered news that the forests of Lustri are alive with hungry shadows and the gleaming emerald eyes of many-legged defenders. Standard strategy for the Druge, to use spring magic and night magic to bring deadly forces to occupy wild wastelands. And although Clipion itself is barely more than a wasteland, it seems that there are a few intact spires remaining there, merely haunted ruins where Urizeni communities once studied and worked together. Between Imperial liberation and Druze depredation, there are no people here to speak of, or rather, there are no living people. Roughly a month after the Imperial forces enter Zenith, a contingent of the Iron Helms are securing a ruined tower in the southwestern lowlands. The fifty or so Druze warriors defending the place have been shown no mercy, as is the want of the Varushkan Shlakta. Suddenly, all the Ranji hounds that fight alongside the Helms turn their muzzles to the sky and begin to howl a terrible warning. Minutes later, the first Urizen sentinels are seen, momentarily mistaken for allies. It becomes clear that they are something else entirely. Their armour is twisted and marked with rust, their robes splattered with blood and filth, and in their eyes burns a terrible, hateful, hungry fire. Where once they were staunch defenders of Urizen, now they are twisted abominations, their tormented spirits trapped in emaciated, unliving flesh. 
there are perhaps 30 of them, and they sweep down on the Varistran soldiers like wolves, wielding terrible blades and spears infused with dark magic. The Ironhelms are forced to retreat, leaving a dozen wolfhounds and half again as many soldiers behind them. If not for the benefit of the healing waters, there would have been twice that many casualties. After this first engagement, these cursed sentinels appear in engagement after engagement. They seem filled with implacable hatred, especially for their former comrades in the Citadel Guard. While most are sentinels, there are a notable number of sword scholars recognisable amongst them number, and reports of a few handfuls of former Urizen warrior wizards who bring to bear their potent battle magic. There's little coordination between these groups of unliving warriors. It seems the Druze have no greater strategy than to turn them loose and let their hatred consume them. They are powerful, but they seem disinterested in using the more complex tactics common to true sentinels. Unfortunately, like the similar abominations encountered in Rykos and the former Knights of Dawn who encountered them in the north, they refuse to stay dead unless their spirits are freed through exorcism. Only the highborn armies have sufficient warrior priests amongst their numbers to be able to bring their ceremonial power to bear. But doing so is no simple task. Only a handful of these cursed sentinels are truly accounted for in the months before the spring equinox. Yet, for all their wickedness, their dark magic, their corrupted, unliving abominations, and their cruelty, the Druze cannot hold against the Empire. Not this time. Slowly, step by step, the Orcs are forced back. The Highborn armies in particular are a crusading storm, crushing the Druze that try to oppose them in engagement after engagement. They pay for their zeal, even with the rivers of life running. Their casualties are high, but the unrelenting spite of the Druze quails before their ambition, their courage, and their unquenchable fury. By the time the Spring Equinox is in sight, the Empire has conquered roughly half of Glypion, and is well on their way to establishing a beachhead. And with the Druze in disarray, retreating in the face of turbid invaders and withdrawing to defensive positions, digging in and forced to accept that this time the Empire will not be forced back into Morrow. The Citadel Guard strike. For three months, the magicians of the Urizen army have been pressing the Druze in ways that, to an outsider, might appear random or uncoordinated. A sudden strike against a ruined spire here, an expedition into a limestone grotto there, a risky raid to the shores of the Braserith marshes, or a lightning assault against a red lizard hospital camp, both ending in the Urizen retreating as the defenders rally. Yet, to an observer with the right viewpoint, a viewpoint high above the territory perhaps, there is a shape to these seemingly unrelated actions, a pattern that becomes clearer once one knows the significance of that spire, that grotto, 
that marsh ruin and the soldiers in that camp. You see, the Citadel Guard are working a potent spell, and with their technique enacted, their magic gathered, they unleash their power across Zenith. Awesome magic uncoils from the Regio, and coils around the Druge, twisting the very fabric of fortune and synchronicity in a thousand, thousand little ways. Chains of command rupture. Logistics begin to unravel. Supplies are misassigned or mislaid, and messages become garbled. The ability of Druge armies to act is corroded and undermined. Their strategy begins to collapse. The glass labyrinth is raised, a potent charm that means that orc armies that have fought in Zenith this season are trapped within walls of malign serendipity and targeted confusion. No matter what else they do, the Druze armies will struggle to marshal their forces to move out of Zenith following the imposition of this metaphorical maze. While they may be able to get out of Zenith, it will take all their limited discipline to do so, and they will certainly be able to reach no further than one of the adjacent territories. Last season, the Empire nearly fell into a cunning Druze trap. This season, the Druze have fallen afoul of a much more subtle one, laid for them by the magicians of the Citadel Guard. And there you have this first tale, dear citizens, of the winds of war that blow across our land. Think of the courage and the wisdom of those armies taking the fight of these barbarian scum. Heck, join them if you wish. And remember that with all of our enemies, we can never, ever betray them.